Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 103. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So we are only a few weeks away from Christmas. Hope you've got everything sorted. We're actually um, well organized this year. We've got everything done, wrapped up and and sorted. So um, life is good. That means no panics and no uh, running around on uh, Christmas Eve, which used to be my old way of doing things. But we diverse slightly. So we have got a great guest for you this week, John Fairclow. Now, John founded the Resicom Group to help retailers optimize the way they improve and maintain their store environment. Under his leadership, the company has been involved from a local construction company into an international provider of facility maintenance and construction services. Now, John enjoys sharing his story to inspire others. His best virtues were incubated by extreme poverty and forged through his unlikely business success. Humility and justice are the invisible stains of his diverse and adverse experiences. Naturally, people come first for him and finding a way to see their good, wanting them to obtain their missing good, staying hopeful for them are the things he works very intentionally on. So I just want to say a big warm welcome. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, John, um, I'm really looking forward to this talk, especially what we've been talking about before the show. Um, honestly, guys, you you don't want to know, but we will get into some of that later on. Um, what I would love to do is, could you give us a little bit of a backstory of what's brought you to this point today? Well, sure. In, in uh, I grew up super poor uh, in the in Chicago in and uh, in the United States, and we had a a real difficult time just even having enough money to eat and uh through through that i i have uh, there's four of us kids and my mom really struggled mightily trying to to raise us the best she could and to kind of hit a limit where she wasn't able to take care of us anymore so we we bounced around a little bit and uh i went to over 20 schools and by the time i was in my early 20s uh, i had a kind of fend for myself and uh, so i started a company and you know, here we are uh, 20 years later, uh, kind of operating a, a business that's generally uh, local, and we're, but we're doing it internationally. So we're really proud of the progress that we've made um, and growth that we've made, expansion of a company. And through that process, uh, me as a person has grown from somebody that really wasn't comfortable being themselves, uh, kind of a lot of times not letting my, my true self come out to now somebody that's uh, very comfortable in his skin. And for, for you, that sort of that experience of growing up the way you did, how do you think that's shaped you to be an effective business owner? Well, I think it's helped me see things um, through, through the lens of a, a person rather than an accomplishment. I think a lot of times people accomplish things, maybe just from the situation that they were in, and people get overlooked. Um, I know that my siblings, I certainly got overlooked being as, as poor as we were and not, not being, uh, I mean, nobody seems to look at the kids that are poorest in the school as, as being uh, role models or anybody that they want to aspire to be. You know, th- those are the people that are overlooked. That's who we were. And so the, I never forgot, forgot that. And, and also 
you know, a lot of times when talking about my, my history, people see the, the, the negative to it, like, oh, you know, so poor and, and all of that. But uh, there was people that stepped up to, to do the best they could to support us, my different aunts and uncles and my, my grandmother and things. And so the, the idea of persevering uh, was instilled in me very, very early on. I, I'm very, very resilient, very uh, capable of taking on a, a lot of chaos and enduring it. And so uh, people say, hey, you know, how did you overcome you know, your, your your situation? And I said, I really never did. I, I just kind of embraced it. Like, that's who I am. That's where I come from. And uh, it's not a problem for me. So I, it's not a black eye for me. So I would say that the difficult things that I endured as a child gave me the resilience, the focus, the determination to, to help me be the best uh, me I can be. Yeah, and it's sometimes the adversity shapes us into becoming stronger and, as you say, more resilient as well. For sure. So before we were um, before we hit the record button, we were talking about sort of the the challenges in the economy and and all of those sort of things. And I know that's something that keeps coming up with some of my clients. The that the fact that you know sometimes it just seems to be so many things stacked up against them. Um, now, obviously, you know you were talking about how when you were growing up, the the, the sort of those types of children are the underdog if you want is kind of like uh, dismissed in some ways um how do you uh, you know when you're dealing with those unsurmountable odds how do you think or what do you think the strategies are the or the philosophies are to build something through those difficult times to care about that other that other party so uh, to, to not overlook them. So, I mean, our business, rather than being built uh, around the services that we provide, is built around the people that we provide the services for. So what are their needs? And so just staying laser focused on that and, and building a business that can, that continue, continues to evolve itself to meet the needs of the people that we want to do business with. Uh, it's just, it's a different philosophy than, hey, we, you know, we're, we are a remodeling company or a construction company or a painting company and then trying to find as many people uh, to, to buy our painting services, we look at it and say, the, these groups of companies buy this type of service, these types of services, L let's go out there and build that expertise, acquire that expertise, so that we can become the provider of that because we want to do business with them. Yeah, so it, do you mean you become, um, you're very much client-focused um, rather than that internal focus? Right, I mean, we... So, so when we're trying to get better, right, like that personal development, of course, we're, we're looking inward, but the, the objective, right, we're trying to get better at something that's of value to someone else. So we're looking for their money, right? We're looking for them to, we're looking for their, for their commitment. We're looking for an ongoing, um, you know, a, a meaningful relationship there. And so the only way that I know how to do that is to do something meaningful for them. And just providing the things that I already know how to do only doesn't seem to really fit that that mold. So we're just pretty much, you know, dialed in on hey, we, these are the types of companies that we want to do business with. This is a specific company that we want to do business with. Let's go in their location. Let's understand it, and let's make sure that we could give them something that, that's meaningful. And and with that, um, is that very much the culture that you have right the way through your company? So from from your customers right the way down through to your employees as well. I sure wish we did, uh, but that's the that's one of the great things about management is 
to try to understand what's taking us off of track. You know, whether it's, uh, I mean, you, to me, we have to be the company that we sell. Well, if you have multiple people selling the company and they don't, they're not necessarily aligned in what that message is, uh, things can get a little bit cloudy. Um, so, so I think, you know, to, to become the company that you sell, uh, requires a certain kind of discipline. So no, I, I wish I could sit here and say, Oh, this, this lives and breathes throughout our company. And we just really got it together. But you know, that that's just not the case. I mean, we're a strong company. We've continuously grown. We've endured all kinds of different economies and, uh, you know, never missed a bill. And, and, uh, we, we feel, uh, super grateful that that's, that is our history. Um, but we, but you know, we, we've got a lot to work on, and and uh, those are those are some fun challenges because it really pushes us. Like, why isn't it more this way? And it can be frustrating, but when you can convert it into something like, hey, this is a person; they're just not understanding it. They need some accompaniment. Maybe they're afraid to do it, and let's you know, let's help them through this. Uh, so it, it's rewarding in a different kind of way as we make progress through being maybe a little disappointed with where we're at today. But it's an interesting thing you bring up because it's that there's an awful lot of companies and I know, you know, there's an awful lot of people maybe in their first jobs or going through, maybe unfortunately if you're in that now, there's an awful lot of jobs that have that control and command type of, um, I think it's command and control, you know what I mean, um, that type of leadership. But when, when you're doing it and you're sort of putting those people first, it's 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 getting it's getting that culture and just nurturing that culture to try and make your company stronger and more effective and you know now as you said before you're working internationally as well sure and and you know it, it, it makes sense i i always say that micromanagement uh there's a reason why people use it it's super effective the the problem with it is the expiration date on it is usually much sooner than the person that's micromanaging believes it is you know it it, it spoils quickly um, so, so command and control, I mean, when things are chaotic and things are going sideways, someone's got to grab, grab the bull by the horns. No problem. It's just a matter of saying, do I give people enough freedom to, to put their thumbprint on it? You know, do we, do we give that space? And just uh, before this call here, I was meeting with uh, maybe seven or 10 people from the team and we were discussing uh, the, the training that they're doing. And I don't like the sequencing of it because they're teaching them a lot of things that are memorization driven. Like you have to do this and you have to do this, you have to do this. And we're talking about some new hires that came aboard and it's like, no, I mean, let's, let's get them to understand uh, what the work is from what they already understand. And let's ask them, Hey, if you, if you owned a, a, a building or a, a home in another state and someone was going out there to do work, uh, would you want to, would you want to know when they're going to be there? Would you want to know if they fixed everything just fine? Would you want to know if there's a problem? So we, we relate things to what, what people already know. And with that foundation of, of why and confidence, then you can add on the memorization. And when they, when they forget, when they don't remember what they were supposed to memorize, they can lean on that, that thematic training that they've received that they, Hey, they understand what this is. And our, our general direction is this way. And they can make a call and not be fearful that they didn't, follow every step exactly the way that it was outlined or whatever the case is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's actually you, one of the things that um, I was really interested in when I was reading the information about you, when I found out you were coming and would like to come on the show was, I love some of the specialities that you have, you know, listening without prejudice. Um, how would you describe that? 
Well, so we, we jump into, I see so often that people jump to conclusions, um, but they don't, but they remove the context or they, or a lot of times they, they try to find something that's wrong with what you're saying. So they, they intentionally remove the context and it's just kind of, uh, and I guess the simplest word to use is dumb. You know, it's not really a bright thing to do. And, and so I'm one that pushes for context. You know, I don't, I don't, and I like to separate what's opinion from fact because people like to blend those two things together. So, you know, give me the, give me the facts, give me what your thoughts are on it. And then, um, and my questions will typically add, add some color to it because when you, when you speak with someone, you tend to know how they feel about it. You know, when, when, when you're looking at somebody and everything that they say is, uh, is critical of the person, well, I, I shouldn't expect I'm going to hear any good news out of them. But if someone says, hey, you know, I really don't like the guy very much, but the truth is he does a nice job with this and that. And when it came to this issue, uh, he just really dropped the ball. And I think that this is what got in the way. Okay, well, then I, I can follow that. But I don't want to manage through and saying, okay, are you being too aggressive with your opinion? And Like, that stuff's all in the way. So listening without prejudice is really about saying, hey, let's, let's separate, you know, fact from, from, from opinion. Let's, let's break apart from are we justifying our actions or are our actions justified? Let's cover our behind kind of mentality that seems to dominate society now and, and get into, um, you know, let, let, let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's see, let's be incisive and, and, and build off of that rock rather than all of the peripheral things. So just before we jump over to the second part of the show, I wanted to tell you about this fantastic workshop that uh, someone who you might have already heard on the podcast, in fact, he's the only guy that's been on the show twice and interviewed. It is the presentation genius himself, Dr. Simon Raybould. Now, Simon is running, and he only does this once a year, he is running a live training course in Newcastle-Pontine in March 2019. And you use the discount code GeniusIQ, then you will get £50 off the ticket price. All you need to do is go to presentationgenius.eventbrite.co.uk and, you know, take action. Now, I have done Simon's training. He is my go-to guy for any presentation training, any skills that I need to develop in how to do that. And if you are looking to be able to make awesome presentations, pitches, or reports, addresses to the board, or just hit that job interview out the park, I'd highly recommend this workshop. Remember, Genius IQ at presentationgenius.eventbrite.co.uk and get £50 off, so act now. Okay, so what we are going to do now is we are going to go to the second part of the show. This is where I get an opportunity to put you on the hot seat. So are you ready? For sure. Okay, so the first question is, on average, how much time a week do you dedicate to self-development? Well, if you include the time that I use talking to myself, it's a pretty fair amount of time. Yeah. When I, so I, I would say He's not uh, crazy, probably... People. He's not crazy, honestly. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm not crazy. It's... Um, some, sometimes the best person to talk to is myself. <laughs> I what I do is I, I get my phone in it and like when I don't know what to do, I set it up like on a selfie, but in the video format and I look at it and say, you got a lot of good ideas. What do you think I should do? 
and then I always get the answer I'm looking for. That's really cool. That's a good strategy, that one. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's fantastic. I recommend it to everybody that knows what they're talking about. <laughs> so, but I, I would say I, I probably spend somewhere between 50 and 20 hours as a minimum uh, on personal development. Uh, I spent a lot of time on my, my spiritual life and uh, really kind of uh, connecting in that way. And, and so it, it's probably uh, a, a bit higher than that. And uh, I would include personal development time, the time I spend with my, the, the leaders of my team, because a lot of times we're not talking about the, the business per se. We're, we're talking about something that's funny or something that's um, going on and uh, or that we're working through and just trying to find a, a, a different point of view on it. And I think that that practice really is, um, you know, can't be classified as personal development because when we're encouraging one another um, to, to find the good in the situation or the good in a person, and uh, we, we keep kind of repeating down that, or, uh, and, and if it's something that we're frustrated with, the same thing, kind of airing it out so that we could kind of pick up the pieces uh, into something that's gonna be constructive. But I, I think that that stuff, and if you include that, it's it's definitely uh, well north of uh, 20 hours. Brilliant. Excellent. Okay, question number two. Um, what book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why? Okay, so um, I'm going to have to say uh, it's a, it's two books together that are spiritual. It would, it would be, um, for me, it's the Bible and then the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, and, and the reason for it is uh, it's not a holy roller kind of thing for me, um, you know, uh, um, uh, but it, it, there's like these principles as to like why the teachings of the church are what they are. And, and, and it, it doesn't, it, it's not even, what, what's great is it's not even like re about religion. It's just about like, how do you view people or how do you view a situation? And um, like, like the better, better days are always ahead. And with that kind of mentality, if we're, if we're looking at things that way, so much good comes from it. And, and when I'm in a condition to receive good, I mean, I grow. But when I'm, when I'm unhappy or down or, or seeing the bad, I'm not growing. I'm not advancing. So my personal development really comes down from me um, learning how to forgive others better. Um, most of the, the issues that I have with, with people are things I've decided I should have issue with, <laughs> you know, like, so what if, the, so what if they said something mean to me? Like, you know, the, maybe they didn't mean it, or maybe they were in a bad spot, or maybe they had a, a horrible day and they lashed out at me because that was the one guy that they knew they could lash out to and I wouldn't hold a grudge. So personal development, that, that's where it is. Yeah. And also is that that's a good point is because uh, we don't think we do, but we make a decision and we make take that responsibility to respond to those people in the way we choose. So it's it's like you say, is it's kind of like, okay, I just need to do something. And the religious books as well, doesn't matter which one you're looking at, is they were the first self-development books anyway. You know, they were the, the all of the, the philosophies, the strategies, the, you know, the stories, the fables, all of them, they all have this underlying story and you know if you look at that um i mean i know plenty of people who aren't religious but they read the bible because the the um values and the um at the core of what it is it, are their great lessons 
For sure, for sure. Okay, question number three. What app makes the biggest impact to your business or life? Well, we haven't met live, but if you did, you'd understand why you'd say camera. So the camera, I think, is the, the best piece. But the reason why I think the camera is, uh, I, my, I was torn between saying a, um, a reader, like anything with books on it, because I think that's a great thing to do, especially when we don't know what to do. A lot of times we, we talk, and it's good to vent as long as we got the right audience. But I think the best thing to do when, you, when you're feeling screwed up on something or, or really aggravated is to go and learn whether it's about that or about something else, just go learn something, change the way that your mind is functioning before you go make your decision. So I love to learn and, and reading does a lot of that for me. Uh, the other piece is, uh, and I, I said the camera, and I know I, I said it uh, joking, but I was really kidding, but I wasn't kidding at all. But the reason for the, for the camera part is, if you can get comfortable, but so, so uh, I've got a guy that works with me, his name's Steve, and we do a lot of um, marketing through videos, but the, the personal growth through getting comfortable with seeing yourself and listening to yourself and, and, and presenting, there's just a lot of good that, that comes with it. And so if, if someone was out there saying, hey, I, wanna, I just wanna be a better, better at being me, I would say get out a camera, look at yourself, and, and don't look at yourself so critically and start to see that you've got some good things to say and uh, share those good things. And just, it, I think it's a great confidence builder and, and great because the, the more of the real of the person that comes out, I think the happier that they'll be and so will the, the people around them. Yeah, and it's funny enough, I've, I was having a conversation with a couple of people today about that exact thing um, where they, they want to share their message and they want to share their stuff. But as soon as you use mention camera, it's like garlic or holy water to a vampire. It's like all of a sudden they're just, no, we're going to run for the hills. You know, I'll, I'll go and get a job or something, but don't put me in front of the camera. Yet, the more you can get comfortable in front of that, the, the easier things will be. For sure. Brilliant. Okay, so number four, what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? Not being me and uh, letting myself be hand, handcuffed based on what other people thought of me or what I believe they would think of me. Some of it, uh, you know, I'm guilty of, of uh, filling in the blanks for them and saying, oh, they're going to think of me as being this way and that, and, you know, so I get caught up with that. So my, my biggest mistake is not recognizing that I am a certain way and that's okay. And, and I'm not talking about the things that I do wrong or hey, he's just a jerk, I'm a jerk, and that's just the way I am. I don't mean that. I'm only talking about the good. Because I think that the good in me is the only thing that's my natural way. And then the, the other stuff is learned behavior. Um, so I'm not talking about that. So uh, there, it's, it's really something, um, by not being me, um, I lost some great relationships. I've um, lost some great people. I've, I haven't been able to be as effective in my company and grow it the way that I know I, um, I could and should. And, uh, I, you know, so I've suffered in every area of my company. Uh, I've suffered in every area of my personal life. My, my entire world has suffered from me uh, not being me. Okay. And I think, you know, that's a really good point that you bring is about authenticity. It's being, you know, the, a lot of people who I've spoken to in the past 
who have reached levels of higher happiness and life fulfillment and those sort of things that happen quicker when they were able to accept themselves for who they are and be who they are and not as you said before um can i put this facade on and i always remember um when i was doing some um being mentored by jack canfield he tells you this story um i can't remember where it's from but he basically says when we're born we're diamonds you know we're, we're precious we're, we've got you know there's it's just we just shine and actually through life what we generally do is we just put basically cow done on ourselves you know it's what people have said what we start thinking about ourselves all of that and then there's a way to deal with that is what we do is we put pretty nail varnish on it as a way to hide that and actually what we really need to do is just get rid of the shit and just be you and be the diamond and it's but it takes us it takes people time and or courage as well to sometimes do that doesn't it for sure i mean when i woke up this morning i was thinking am i going to hear the phrase cow dung you see and I, this is what I mean. No, I don't think. I, 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 but then there you, you are, know, you know, or even Padawan, and that's a whole other story that you guys who are listening to this ain't got a clue. But um, you know, and also there's another app called Steve. But we'll we'll talk about that <laughs> in a later date. Okay. Question number five is: um, What are your challenges in harmonizing work and life, and how do you manage them? You know, I think this is one of the most interesting questions um, because the the balancing the work life really um, is something. I, I mean, I only have one life, right? I'm I'm just John, and that's that's all I am. And it's hard to say I'm one way at home and one way at work. And and I know that's not what the question is, but I, I think that it just um, it, it needs to be reminded to people that. You're a person, and, and being that person is what's critical. The, the problem I've had with balancing uh, work life has been what other people have viewed work life balance to be, to, 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 to mean. So, whether it's, whether, um, it's my, my children, my uh, other loved ones, uh, my, my spouse, it, it's um, my, my in laws, my mom, like as I go around, what, what those people believe it should be when I speak to my grandmother and call her just to see how she's doing and it's and it's 12 30 in the in a, during the week and I get a call for work and I have to hang up and she yells at me oh you always have to go well, I'm working you know like what your expectation is that I'm retired sitting at home and just calling you to see how things are going so I think that the stress that I've faced um, around work-life balance has been around the people that I interact with and that, and so what I've what I've done to kind of address that a bit is to try to set um, some better expectations of people. Like, hey, if I call you during the day, you know, I'm working, but I'm thinking of you. I just wanted to, to you know catch up with you, so please don't take offense if I have to go on short notice or or whatever, and and to do some of that. But then that gets habitual where you don't really set aside time for them. So it's just kind of going back and through on that. And and the the other piece is. I know that I've got a lot more skill and I could be a lot more successful at work if my family wasn't a priority for me. Uh, but for me, where I'm at with what I have, what I'm looking to accomplish, my ambition and all that, I'm, I'm very comfortable sacrificing a bunch of business success at this time to, to, to make sure that my family, which, my, which is my number one priority, 
is is really where um, I feel good about it. So it doesn't mean that they're in great shape, you know, it's just my opinion of it, you know, but that, that's kind of where it is. Well, no, for me. because I think you bring up a good thing is, you know, most of the people I interview for this show um, own their own businesses and do what they love to do. So it, it is very hard for them to separate work and life because it's one thing. I love what I, you know, what I need to do. I'm recording podcasts tonight until 1230 at night. You know, it's it's 630 now. Um, but that and, you know, and, and sometimes it's hard and it's, you know, you as you say, is it sometimes it's not necessarily the pressures that you put on because you just you can sometimes just be in the zone. You're just doing what you do because that's what you enjoy doing. And it's managing, as you say, it's managing other people and managing their expectations. It, the reason why I ask that question is because I think it, it's a very interesting, it's, it, it, I, it's like I've got a love-hate relationship with work-life balance. <laughs> because, and, and, and the, certainly the terminology. Because, you know, it, it, there is no 50-50% balance in it. It's, it's where you can focus your time and what what do you what actions and tasks do you need to do to get that if relationships are struggling at home then you'll probably put a little bit more attention into that if things are going on at work that's where you've got to put your attention in because that puts food on the table so it's it and it's it's a really it's why i ask this question because it, it it's it's very interesting how different people do you see i asked the question from a point of view is i've been through burnout i've been through chronic stress conditions so um, and I don't want anyone to go through that sort of thing if I can if I can help it in any way, shape, or form. But I think is is when you're dealing with successful people like yourselves, um, as if there's two personalities there. I'm not talking to you, Steve. As yourself, um, what it's what it is. It's interesting how you deal with that because some people can use that as an excuse not to do the work. Um, but other people um, can look at it and go, okay, I just know that I've got to manage expectations better, both from myself or from the external place. I, you know, I love, I love what, you, what you said here, and it, it forced me to kind of uh, reconsider my answer a little bit. And, and I, there's a little bit of fullness I can add that when there were times where I had to work incredible amounts of hours and, and do that. And I didn't feel like I was taking away from my family because the sacrifice I was making at work was for my family. Right. So I, it wasn't like I'm either going to do this thing that I love or be with that thing. I love It's like, I'm, you know, one, there's one that's supreme to the other, but, but the, the, what, when you mentioned burnout and things, I think that there's, uh, we, that I know I have experienced, that, that exhaustion, I've experienced things. And the core, I think, of it from, for me has been a fear, fear of maybe not having enough customers or not being as diversified as we need to be or that we're going to let this client down uh, if, we, if I don't do this and kind of all of these different things that were not necessarily based on me working. Like, basically, the, the work-life discussion out there is really for, for people to make sure that they're looking at uh, their whole life and making sure that that whole life is successful. And, and typically the people that run companies, they spend too much time at work. And then those very few, those people look at the people, you know, who work for them as spending too little bit of yeah. effort at work. 
and it's too much life yeah. balance, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what are you doing? Well, you, what are you going at 4.30 when you're supposed to work till 3? You know, that's sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so the fear piece, though, I, did, that, um, I think that it, if someone finds themselves out of balance, or, and, and we know it's not 50-50 balance, but out of where they want to be, you know, out of their allocation, let's call it that instead of out of balance. If they're out of their allocation, it's probably rooted in fear. And if it's fear, fear needs education. You know, it doesn't need to be fed. It needs education. And, and so I would just encourage people to, to check into that. For yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, question number six. What advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? To, to really... Um, Oh wow! What advice would I give to an entrepreneur? I wish I knew about being me, as we shared earlier. I wish that someone would have said um, to me to to really make sure that whoever's managing people really cares about those people that they're managing. Um, I think the biggest thing I would say is to really know what you're trying to accomplish. You know, really be, be like, there's a lot of different ways that we can do things, but you know, what is it, what, what's going to, what's your definition of success? Like, wh what do we, what do we call su successful in this? If I'm going to do a project as an example, a lot of, pro like, a challenge that I have is project manager mentality leading the way that the business is managed. But a project manager has blinders on and they're only looking at that one single project. And I remember it was a time where I, I had a bunch of people in our team in the room and I said, hey, who thinks that we should have the best person at doing uh, these projects do these projects? And everybody raised their hand. And then I said, who thinks that the company should only have one person capable of doing all these projects that we have? <laughs> you know, and no one's hand went up. And so there's, there's not exactly um, a, a, thought, a full thought or full thoughtfulness to uh, what success really looks like. And a project manager is going to say, hey, that <clears throat> this person is the best to do it. But maybe an account manager is going to say, well, I don't want to be so dependent on that person that they can't go on, uh, that, that they can't handle the additional work that I'm going to sell. And someone that's in charge of HR might say, I don't want it to be where that person's never able to take a vacation because that customer always has needs and that's the only person that can do it. And, you know, as you add those different points of view and you, you start to have a, a, a different definition of success so that well-rounded one I think should is critical and so if someone's starting out make sure you got a really good definition of success when you look at a project look at that as an opportunity not only to satisfy the client and build a great relationship with them but to train your people on how to do it better and to give them the experience and then to celebrate that win with the person that's doing it for the for the first time and documenting it so that the next person that's coming through has some sort of starting point and make that that experience live and breathe in your company. That's bro. Okay. Question number seven is strangely enough, what is your definition of success? Mm. So I, well, I just gave you a bunch of it, but um, I, I I think to uh, you know for for me in my life, I, I just want to be proud of what I've done. You know, like hey, I'm not the most gifted guy in the world, um, but uh, what I do with my gifts, you know, I, I hope that it's, if I do, if I make people happy and I'm in, 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 and I'm, I'm happy and I have peace and 
my my kids are okay and you know that my my business does does well like i there's there's a lot of uh, peace um in, in that in that kind of uh stability there's a lot of peace in the stability of things going well for me because i'm a person with a lot of responsibility you know so so success for me as a person is like stability and, and the things that I'm responsible for, uh, you know, with a smile, you know, have some happiness. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, brilliant. Question number eight. Do you have any daily routines or rituals that helps make a huge impact to your day? So I like to, I like to um, read and reflect kind of like a, um, I'm doing this uh, personal kind of spiritual retreat where I just read a little bit. And then um, I ask myself some questions about it. And I think about the things I want to change in my life. And then I go out and do it. Like, what are the two or three things I need to do right now? Just steps that I can do. So um, it, it's a really kind of a neat thing. So I, that, I mean, that, that piece of it is really important. Just that, that couple minute reflection um, and, 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 and prayer and, and a little bit of reading is, is really, really powerful. Brilliant. Excellent. Okay. Okay. So the final question is the life lesson question. This is where you pick a number between one and 50 and whatever number that lands on, it is our final conversational point based on my experiences um, of uh, business and illness and all sorts of wonderful things. Um, so pick a number between one and 50, please. Ordinarily, I'd pick the number one because I like to come in first. But uh, this time, I'm going to give you a little bit of a challenge because I believe you're probably a close, a strong closer. So I bet number 50 is good. But I, want, I wonder what number 48 is. Okay, 48 is listen to your gut. Um, so I've always, I always, uh, I always generally, it kind of like falls into a little bit of that authenticity bit we were talking about before. Um, I generally never listen to my gut because I had many people who were influential around me or how I took um, what they were saying is, is I, nothing that I did was very good. And what I needed to do was just listen to other people. But most of the time when my gut says, don't do it, it was right. And I just find it's, it's a quite an incredible instinctual thing that, we sometimes need to just take a pause. And, you know, you also alluded to it before in some way about that questioning, that reflecting, and just really stopping for a second and really listening to what you are saying, um, whether you're using FaceTime and having conversations with yourself and that sort of stuff. And I just wondered what you thought about that. Well, I just wanted to demonstrate my, um, before the call, uh, everyone, we, we had a little discussion where, where I was the master and he was my young Padawan learner. And I just wanted to demonstrate my ability to read his mind and pull out from him the very topics that I was discussing. And I promise you, he did not let me know what 48 uh, was in advance. No, but, not at all. I didn't uh, even tell Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is one of those things, isn't it? It's, like it's kind of like being the thing that we've been talking about. It's, we have these instincts for a reason. Exactly. No, it's, and that's what makes it fun. Like, I mean, this, this conversation has been so, it's been a lot of fun and uh, hopefully it's been, been good for people to hear because being real matters. I mean, it, it's, it's life changing. It's freedom. It's, it's and great stuff. People want to be a part of that. 
But this whole trying to be a something that you're not, like, hey, let me go act like I'm somebody different, and maybe I'll get that girl to like me, and then uh, she can fall in love with that guy that I'm not. You know, that sounds like a great plan for the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know, it's like it's like it, it's you know what we kind of like you know you never thought that you'd hear about uh, cow dung in the conversation today, but um, it's giving that up. It's giving up all. It's giving all that. What people have been saying, and actually, you, life is about you finding your meaning, not someone else's. Right, and giving credit where it's due. I mean, you are the man when it comes to that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, um, so brilliant, fantastic. Thank you very much for uh, saying that. Um, so the final bit is, how can people find out more about you? The floor is now yours. Um, so kick Steve aside, and just tell us <laughs> how. Um, how people can find out more about you and what you do. Sure. Uh, well, I'd love to connect with anybody that would like to jumpstart a conversation. I've done a lot of mentorship and things like that. So if, if uh, someone's got some business ideas that they'd like to bounce around or just things that they're, they're, they're facing, I'd like to set aside a little time for that. I feel like it's uh, giving back, it's something positive giving back to help, to help other people. So I love that. If you want to reach me, um, the best way is uh, emailing me at John at johnfaircloud.com and um, yeah it's a j-o-h-n f is in frank a-i-r-c-l-o-u-g-h.com and uh, i'd respond properly brilliant and what we'll do is we'll put all the information about your company and your social media stuff um on the show notes as well john it has been a absolute blast um unfortunately they did not hear the conversation we had before the um, the show when we hit the record button but um steve lovely meeting you john absolutely brilliant having you on the show and i just want to take this opportunity just to say wishing you the greatest success thank you likewise thank you so much So firstly, just let me say a massive thank you to all of you who've taken the time to listen to the show. And for those of you who are sending me emails to give me feedback about the show, what you like, what you'd like to see, I am extremely grateful to you all. I would be really grateful as well if you have time and the inclination to jump over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the show as it really does help me stay on my mission, which is to help people create and live an exceptional life. Finally, you can get hold of these podcast show on many different platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, all of those ones that you probably listen to regularly. Um, all you need to do is hit subscribe and get them straight to your phone, which makes life so much easier. So just finally wishing you an amazing week. Take care. And don't forget to keep pursuing the exceptional.